Culture Happens podcast, where we discuss the future of work and company culture. I'm Ashley Jeffries, and I run our Women at HubSpot global programming, and I'm super excited to be your host today. On this episode, we're going to be digging into the topic of allyship in the workplace. A little bit of background and storytelling. So last October, we had our first allyship week here at HubSpot, an idea that stemmed from a Medium post by Corey Ponder called How to Challenge Ourselves to Grow as Allies. Corey does this 30-day allyship challenge to gain some perspective and learn and reflect on the ways that he can be a more supportive ally in his personal and professional life. We decided to build off of Corey's idea and bring that challenge to HubSpot. So we had weekly challenges that helped strengthen the understanding of allyship, inclusion, and belonging, and all learned how we as individuals and as leaders in the organization can grow better when it comes to being an effective ally to others. I'm super excited to continue the discussion of allyship with two amazing HubSpotters joining us today, Felice Matos, an Implementation Specialist Manager, and Henry Wu, a Product Design Lead. So both Felice and Henry are not only really talented professionals, but true champions of diversity, inclusion, and belonging here at HubSpot and beyond. And I really respect them both. Welcome to the show, Felice and Henry. Thanks. Happy Hello. to be here. How's it going? Thank you both so much for taking the time today. I'm super excited that we get to have this discussion. So I thought what we would do to get started is have you share a little bit with the listeners about what you do here at HubSpot, and then tell us a little bit about your life outside of work. Uh, yeah, sure, I can go. <laughs> um, um, so I manage HubSpot's implementation team, also known as their onboarding team. And my team is our customer's first point of contact. So we show them how to use HubSpot specifically for accomplishing their business goals. But um, outside of work, I like doing some volunteering. I do a lot of volunteer, volunteer work. Um, I also like traveling and I watch a lot of Netflix. My name is Henry and I'm one of the lead product designers here at HubSpot. So what I do is I ensure our team is designing great features that our customers love to use. And outside of HubSpot, I love spending quality time with my wife and my puppy. We travel all over New England and actually go on a ton of different hikes. Uh, and usually around this time of year, I also love to do a lot of barbecuing as well. That's great. I heard you are a great barbecuer, so I'm one day going to have to try Thank one you. of your recipes. Thanks. So I have a few questions for you all as we kind of dive into the podcast, but um, I wanted to start off with a little bit of research. So research has shown that more inclusive companies have 2.3 times higher cash flow per employee and 1.7 times more likely to be innovation leaders in their industry. So that was super surprising to me. I don't know about I don't know about both of you. Yeah, those are very sure. Yeah. But I thought that was something that everybody should know, especially when you're starting to foray into what allyship means and how to do that and bring that to your company. So I found that incredibly interesting. Um, Increasing sales while driving innovation. Like who doesn't want who doesn't want that as a part of their company culture? Mm -hmm. Um, Undoubtedly, I think it's critical that we have allyship as a part of any company's success and long-term growth, but inclusion just can't happen without allyship. And yet, I think a lot of people are stuck on what allyship really means. Mm-hmm. What are the factors of being a good ally? How do you build allyship within a culture and a company culture specifically? Um, so I wanted to start with that and start with the very root of the word. Uh, so the, dif- the dictionary definition says that allyship is a lifelong process in which people with privilege and power work to develop empathy towards another marginalized group's challenges or issues. So the goal of allyship is to create a culture 
which the marginalized group feels valued, supported, and heard. So I'm really interested to hear from both of you what being an ally actually really means and how does that translate into the workplace? Yeah, well, thank you, Henry. Henry's so kind to let me answer this first. Um, but my favorite part of that definition is that allyship is a lifelong process. It's not something that you simply arrive to and a milestone you have reached and then you're good. You have to constantly be monitoring your thoughts, your biases, questioning why you're thinking certain things about, you know, maybe certain groups are, uh, why you're having certain reactions to things. So uh, for me, the word allyship means that you are a champion for an underrepresented group. When I personally think of underrepresented group, the first two that come to my mind are either people of color or LGBTQ, but there's a wide variety that you can cast there. And there's two feelings I feel when I think of allyship. The first being comfort and the second being responsibility. And I use comfort for the times when I've benefited from having an ally. And I use responsibility for the times when I've been an ally. So those are the things it really means to me. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of allyship, I feel like the word that kids use today is what, woke? Right? So <laughs> allies are usually woke. Um, but to me, allyship is basically someone who recognizes the inequality and the inequity between those with privilege and those who don't. And is someone who actually would support those are, who are typically in underrepresented groups. I love the word that Faylees used earlier, where it's a constant process, because I totally agree. It's constantly recognizing the privilege you have and the, the privileges that other people don't have. And in terms of it being in a workplace, I think allyship is really, really about creating a culture where you don't force someone to be someone they aren't. It's about creating a healthy environment where it's okay to be who you are and you're actually able to thrive inside of that work, working place. So specifically with allyship, inside of a workplace, what I think it really means is that you're basically fostering an inclusive culture so that it's okay for you for you to be who you are and you can actually thrive inside of that culture. And it's a lot less about forcing someone to conform to someone they don't really want to be in order to feel like they have to succeed. Right. And so I feel like what I'm hearing from both of you, and I completely agree, is that the process is iterative. It's not just a, like you were saying, Bailey, it's not something you just arrive at. It's something mm -hmm. that you actually take the time and the effort to mm -hmm. to develop over time. It's like any other skill you'd have in the workplace, right? You Absolutely. You start at one point, and then you're able to, to continue to hopefully grow and learn from mistakes and failures, but also sure. accomplishments, I feel like, within that, within that as well. For sure. So moving on a little bit, um, I'd love to know, Felice, I'd love for you to start in terms of what does it mean to be a good ally in your perspective? I think a lot of people toss around that word that you have to be a good ally with air quotes, mm -hmm. but nobody really knows how to be a good ally. Right. Or if they think they are an ally, sometimes they're not really an ally. And mm -hmm. I would love to know from you uh, to start kind of what that, what being a good ally means. So a good ally is someone who doesn't just show up when there's an audience they're someone who's working behind the scenes as well. So let me give you an example, actually, of one of my colleagues who I think demonstrated this pretty well. Uh, he was invited to join in on uh, some type of marketing strategy where uh, I, I don't know the exact type of content they were trying to produce, but he was invited in uh, from the outside to share his perspective. He is a, a white man who is part of the LGBTQ community. And towards the end, or I guess some, at some point in the meeting process, he said to them, we don't have any people of color in this room, and how can we truly represent all the diversity here if we don't have anyone like that represented? And the fact that that's something he felt the need to bring up when there were no people of color in the room showed to me the true example of what it means to be a good ally, that you're not just 
showing people in front of them like, hey, I'm on your side just so you can see me, but also being that champion for them even behind closed doors as well. For sure. Um, I think for me, what being a really good ally means is, um, and I just want to start off and say, none of these ideas are originally my own. <laughs> I, I did a ton of reading, so I'm totally stealing this idea from someone else. But the one I think that resonated with me the most is that being a really good ally is about creating space, and it's actually less about taking up space. And a really good example of that is actually one of my colleagues, Jet Northridge. He's a director of engineering, and one of the things that he told me that he does during the interview is he actually puts switches he switches it up a lot, but he puts on shirts. I'll say feminism or uh, this country is built by immigrants, and he wow. actually wears these shirts into an interview during the interview. During the interview, yeah. Wow. So that's amazing. Yeah, and like you know, the the response he got was that you know, like if it, it, it really really kind of um takes people out of their shell. They don't feel so uptight in the interview anymore, and they actually feel a lot more comfortable kind of expressing who they are, talking about you know, their experiences, but it also feels a little bit more inclusive because you're creating space for them to kind of talk about their experience a little bit too, um, which I found super, super um, fascinating and insightful. So um, I definitely stole that one from him a little bit. I love that. And I think as a company, HubSpot, and what, one of the things that I loved when I first got here was that you saw people with stickers on their computers that's kind of symbolized a lot of what their values were. And I don't think you can see that from the outside. I think mm -hmm. a lot of companies kind of give you the face value of who they are and their mission, but when you actually step into our space, it is so interesting to be able to see the way people support one another, mm -hmm. whether it's actively or sometimes passively. Sometimes it's behind closed doors, sometimes it's behind the scenes, but I do think it's so important to be able to see those women at HubSpot stickers or those LGBTQ Alliance stickers or people of color at HubSpot, and I find that uh, really welcoming. And I think especially to people that are either interviewing or have just recently joined our community, I just think it's super important to be able to to put a face to that and understand that we're an open and inviting place, so. Absolutely, and whenever I see stickers like that, I just know that I'm not alone. Right, I couldn't agree more. I think it does give you that sense of relief that there are open minds here and open hearts, and I think that's something that not everybody brings to their company culture. For sure. Sometimes it's very face value, sometimes it's all about business, but I think that's one of the things I love about not only HubSpot, but our, our core values as well. Um, so I would love to dive in a little bit deeper um, and talk a little bit about how allyship can sometimes feel like it's an individual uh, sport at times. So you sometimes feel like you're on this journey by yourself. We talk a lot about how it is an iterative process and it is a journey, but there are so many ways that we can work together to be successful. And I'd love to hear from both of you about how you think companies can lead by example when it comes to allyship. Um, I think like we were just discussing, it's difficult to kind of step outside of the norm of kind of everyday business and kind of reach to the heart of whether it's your customers or your employees and really and pull that out. So I'd love to hear um, whether you think events or content programming, what are the things that you think companies can do to really uh, take allyship to the next level? I'm going to actually spin it in two different ways in my response. So the first one, I might be showing my age here, forgive me, but uh, back in the day, Jerry Seinfeld's wife published a cookbook. And there was one recipe in the cookbook that was designed to get kids to eat more vegetables, or maybe it was the whole cookbook. And one of the recipes was um, blend up some carrots and put them in your mac and cheese because carrots are the same color as cheese. Kids will eat the vegetables and not even realize they're there. And that, to me, is what every company should strive for when it comes to inclusivity and allyship. It shouldn't be something that's thought of as, 
you know, once we hit these big company targets, then we'll be able to focus on it. It needs to be baked into the fabric of a company the same way you can bake carrots into <laughs> your mac and cheese, where people don't even have to think of it at the forefront of, is this something that counts as diversity, inclusivity, belonging, but that it's really part of the fabric of your company because that's the best way you're going to succeed. Just like the numbers that you gave at the beginning, Ashley, which were fantastic and so enlightening, it's important that companies see it that way. And in order for that to happen, the second point I'm going to make is that it really needs to come from the top down. I find a lot of companies will publish our diversity report and the numbers we're trying to hit. But if at the, I guess, director or manager level, there's no sense of you need to build an inclusive team, not just a high performing team, but an inclusive team because the two can't, the, the two need to go together. Uh, and I find the disconnect often happens at the director manager level. Individual contributors are fine. They enjoy going to the, to the events, they show up a lot to them. But when it comes to the people who make and set the vision for the team, if their vision and their direction they're trying to drive their team doesn't include being an inclusive place, doesn't have a manager who shows up as an ally that they can follow after, then I don't see it really penetrating into the fabric of a company the way the carrots would in the mac and cheese. <laughs> sure. I love that analogy. I think that's such a good one. We're making stickers. <laughs> carrots in the mac and cheese. <laughs> Henry, what about you? I 100% agree with all the things you just said. I think we need to do all of those things and more. Um, one of the most powerful things I think a company can do immediately is to actually start shining a light on some transparency numbers around measuring the progress of what your workforce representation is like. Um, you know, there's the saying, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. It's very, very much the same thing here. You basically publish the numbers, make sure it's transparent so everyone can see it. So then every, it's in everyone's radar. Everyone's paying attention to it. Yeah. There's a huge trend recently where a lot of companies started doing this. I think MailChimp and Netflix were probably some of the first companies to start doing it. And actually HubSpot just started publishing our numbers recently as well too. And I think what that does is it actually holds us accountable. Yeah. So if you're a business and you're interested in you know moving the needle on this sort of thing, you gotta publish those numbers and hold yourself accountable. And I think that's one of the most powerful first things you can actually do as a business to actually support a more inclusive environment. Absolutely, you can't hide in the sunlight. Definitely not. Mm -hmm. I agree, accountability is key. That's something that I feel people take ownership over. They want to see their company succeed, but I think what we do well here at HubSpot is we don't claim to be perfect. I think we publish that data not only mm -hmm. for our own benefit, for, but for others. We want to encourage that, not only be that leader in the space, but also let everybody know we're human as well and we're working to, to right side our numbers, make mm -hmm. uh, our company a better place to work for everyone. So I totally agree. I think that's such a big one and um, I think that's just a great way to, to kind of wrap it up. Um, so we talked a little bit about uh, our employee resource groups. Uh, and so I run Women at HubSpot here, and I know both of you are very active in our employee resource groups in general. Um, but I would love to know kind of ways that we can promote allyship and inclusion um, at the executive level. So here at HubSpot, we have our executive sponsors of all of our employee resource groups, which I love because it really does hold that accountability from the top all the way down. Um, and so I'd love to know kind of from both of you as active participants, how have you seen allyship play a role uh, in these groups, in these employee resource groups, and how how have we kind of been able to push the, the envelope a little bit there and 
be better allies and show our community how to continue to, to be active in that way. I'd say one of my favorite things about the employee resource groups are that they aren't totally closed off, that anyone from any background or situation you identify with, you can still be a participant, Where whether it's attending the meetings, whether it's just jumping in the Slack channel and giving a like to something someone said. So the opportunity is there. And I think at a lot of other places, they remained a bit closed. And we do a good job of keeping the balance of whether this is a you know, allies welcomed, or if it's, um, you know, just a general more corporate level event. So I think we do a good job there. The way that I've seen allyship play in these groups, which I really liked is that we see all types of people being present, but not hijacking the space, which is nice. And Henry also mentioned that earlier today. Henry and I are actually both in POCA, the people of color at HubSpot channel. That's the acronym for it. Um, and in that space, there's tons of different people who come to the POCA meetings and participate in that channel, but they do a good job of not hijacking the space or taking it over. But the second good thing that the allies of that group do are in moments, if there ever is a moment when someone is taking over a bit or uh, taking away from, you know, the other folks who the group was intended for, they take the feedback very, very well. So I feel like in tying back to what makes a good ally, if someone were to give you feedback like, hey, you're maybe hijacking the space or you're making it all about you and it's about this group that you're trying to show your support for, no one has been argumentative or defensive, which is very nice. So this might not be how to execute at an executive level, but just seeing how I've seen it played out in our employee resource groups or any other businesses that have employee resource groups, those are the two things that have really been great to see for me. Absolutely. There's the side where, you know, I want to be an ally, right? If I want to be an ally to women in tech, if I want to be an ally to LGBTQ, one of the first things I want to do is try to figure out where, where can I go who can I talk to? What kind of events can I attend? How can I actually learn more? And yes. I think these How can are I learn? really great for that. Mm -hmm. So there's that side. And then I think that on the other side, actually you mentioned a little bit about executive sponsorship. So a lot of the employer resource groups at HubSpot all do actually have an executive sponsorship. And I think that's kind of a big deal because what it does is it provides presence from leadership that you know they actually care a lot about this mission. They care about um, helping underrepresented groups. They actually care a lot about whether these conversations conversations actually had or not. And what it does also do is that it allows them to actually provide a safe space where we can actually talk to each other and discuss how to be a better ally. And not only that, but you know, the funding is also really great for events and whatnot too, right? So there's always that aspect as well too. And I do think that's a huge part of it, right? I think for a lot of companies, they think that employees can do this as their second or third job. So they've got a core function and then they have they're the, the culture arm of their team, or they plan the outings, or they, they do the diversity work. But honestly, it's, it's everyone's job. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think HubSpot, we take really seriously. Like we have our own culture team and we have people that are designated to these roles, but that doesn't mean they're the only people doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're able to really push others to explore and grow with us, as opposed to saying, we'll handle it and you can learn from us. Um, so it's been really eye-opening for me to see the companies that actually have these roles that are helping to, to infuse into their business as opposed to others that are keeping it secondary uh, in some sense and saying, we've got it and we've got the programming there, but 
there's really no no money where their mouth is. Yeah. Um, and I think HubSpot does a great job of not only funding these programs that we care so deeply about, but but showing up. We've got our Absolutely. we've got our leaders showing up to events after work with kids and a family and things that they need to do after work as well. But nobody ever shows that they're too busy to to come to something they really care about. And I think that is kind of what sets us apart and is able to show people that our allyship doesn't just extend to one group or one subset of, of one type of person, but it does really span the entire organization. Yeah, Ashley, I love that you said that. There's two things that really stood out to me that you mentioned that I want to highlight, especially for other businesses who might be listening in. The first is that people can show up if they have children or if they're working parents, especially in the tech space, there's a lot of young folks. And some of the feedback that we get from uh, employees who have families of their own, you know, their own children is that some of their colleagues in the in the workspace will say things like, you remind me of my dad or my mom, mm -hmm. and it's, I don't remind you of your parents, I'm your coworker. Mm -hmm. um, so part of being inclusive is considering people at all levels, and I love that we have events that are sometimes earlier in the day for folks who have to make it back home to their families. We don't only have after work drinking events because maybe some people are more health conscious, maybe some people have health issues and they can't drink. So I really like that we have a, a, a wide range of program, programming that can suit all different types of folks. The second thing that you said, which I think is a key piece, because I have realized that a lot of other businesses and companies, there's, like you said, there's no dedicated group that is in charge of the culture of the company. There's just someone on the team who happens to care and will plan events, or someone will start a subgroup just for the women so that they have their, you know, voices heard together, some type of, you know, support group almost. But I like that at HubSpot, it's, you know, there's a dedicated program manager to a lot of these things to ensure their success. There's an executive sponsor to leave that, lead that vision from the top as well. Um, because culture teams, to me, at a company, are kind of like the pebble that starts the ripple in the water. You know, it's it's the first thing that makes that impact that then expands so that other people feel like, oh, this is something that the company has its attention on. It's okay for me to also get my hand in, in this as well. So I think those are two things we've really got right. Yeah, I love that. And I, it kind of brings me to a point about whether or not some of these programs uh, should be mandatory. I think some companies find it very imperative and we've seen them in the news recently. They feel that they need to shut down a full day to do whether it's unconscious bias training or mm -hmm. advocacy training or things that will relate to whether it was an incident or whether something that they might foresee happening in the future. I'd love to get your take on whether a program should be mandatory for people to come and show up. I know we don't do a lot of that here uh, we kind of open our doors and let those who care flood in. But mm -hmm. I'd love to know your perspective on whether or not certain programs specifically catered to allyship should actually be mandatory to an organization or if that's something that um, we can keep kind of as a as a voluntary exercise, something that people can mm -hmm. can opt into. That's a great question. There's a there's a fun word that folks use, which is voluntold. <laughs> so I feel like on one hand, it's great to have it. And I think for the majority of your programming, it should be, again, built into the fabric of your business. It shouldn't be, you know, we had an incident, so we're going to shut everything down and make everyone go to this training. I don't know if the impact is as heavy sometimes when you do it that way. Mm -hmm. So I like that we have, you know, psychological safety, just a couple of trainings that happen at various times of the day at whatever months that we're holding them and they're repetitive. Mm -hmm. 
as far as should this be a required thing, the, the tricky part is sometimes you'll only get the folks who care coming and you won't reach that wider net. And like Henry said earlier, part of being an ally is constantly learning. And also for me being an ally is, you know, you're, you can't, if you're going to be an ally, you should be all in or nothing. You know, you can't just say I'm an ally only to these people, but not those people. Mm -hmm. If you're an ally, you have to be all in. So I do think that's where the vision from the leadership level comes into play. If this is part of your manager's priorities, if this is part of your performance at your job, it, it goes into how people consider you as an employee at the company, mm -hmm. how much of a hub spotter you are, as we call it then I think that's how you reach those people even more than saying you have to go to this because mm -hmm. it's required because we're not hitting this number like or something like that. Right. If right. that makes sense. No, I think it totally makes sense. I mean, I think I think there's something organic about creating a culture of inclusivity um, because people would want to kind of attend it because they actually care about it versus something that's kind of mandatory and, and, and required. You know, there's something about that that feels a little bit yeah. um surgical and and almost kind of um what's the word i'm looking for i think that's the correct place to start like you yeah. have to build the base for it already it's not like you can just here's a program we're going to make it everyone has to go like right. that's not authentic right it's right. not like make a good program have it be mm -hmm. voluntary for those that care to flood in keep fostering that culture of inclusivity like you're saying henry and then Right. you know, build it from there. Right, and I think I think there's, uh, sometimes it could be a little balance of both, right? Um, so at HubSpot, I was fortunate enough to go to a more formal and conscious bias training, but I don't think that's necessarily mandatory for everyone, but I do love the fact that HubSpot does provide the opportunity for me to go, because then I get some structured learning in terms of how to recognize unconscious bias, yep. which I think is really helpful inside of a workplace. But I think, you know, I think just having mandatory and also having it more responsive instead of prevent or I don't want to say preventative, but having it just being more of a responsive occurrence just doesn't really feel right. It yeah. feels more like it feels more like, hey, we just noticed this issue and now we're taking care of it instead of just being more. I don't know. Organic. Organic about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I think what I'd love to know from both of you as well is as managers and as people managers, how do you encourage that on your team without feeling like uh, you're swaying one way or the other or influencing your team in a way that might not be as organic or as comfortable. Not everybody feels comfortable going to an event or speaking up or or writing in the Slack channel. Right. So how do you kind of balance that and make sure that they feel included in the things that they want to come to, but also kind of making sure that you you have a stance and you, you let mm -hmm. them know that this is important not only to, to you as an individual, but as a company? I bake it in, Ashley. <laughs> I bake it in to the culture of my team meetings. Um, so uh, if you remember, and you've done so many programmings, I understand if you forgot, but if you remember, uh, back in October, you had a whole series of different allyship resources for folks. Mm -hmm. It was read things you could read or watch or listen to, which I think is great for a variety of learning styles. So that was a company thing that was happening during the month of October. So my team meets biweekly. And we discussed so many different things. So for that month, I assigned everyone the task of, hey, you guys pick whichever one you want from here. I challenge you to pick something you're the least familiar or comfortable with. And then let's talk about how we felt about it. Just chat. The first thing you have to do is establish psychological safety on your team so people feel comfortable sharing their thoughts, opinions, or even stuff that might be uh, you know, differing so that they don't feel like, oh, we have to all think the same way to feel invited, so inclusivity. But um, that was one way that I baked it in. Another way is 
whatever is trending in the tech space to talk about it, but from the lens of diversity and inclusion. So for example, AI is huge. We're talking about AI here, ways that we can automate our processes. Uh, and there was a great TED talk on racism and sexism in AI technology. So this is something relevant in the tech space. This is something we're already talking about at HubSpot. Here's the darker side of it, and here's how we can be champions for the change in the future. And it all starts with us. So that's how you bake it in, or at least how I do, um, and getting my team to think and talk about it in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, I have to hit my DNI number this month. I love that. I love that you actually bake it into your culture. I think, I think for me, I think just based on my own culture and just the way I am, I try to do it a little bit more organically, um, or rather, I do it in a way where I try to kind of lead by example. So I think it's important for me to see my managers and my leaders at these events. And I think it's the same for my direct reports for them to see me at these events as well, too. So I try to attend these as many as I can. And I think to your point, uh, Felix, creating a safe space is huge. I think that's number one. You mm -hmm. have to create a safe space where they feel like they can actually attend these events. They feel like they can actually ask these questions and have these conversations. Um, Inside of our one-to-ones and inside of interviews, some of the, one of the things I always try to do is actually just ask for feedback. Um, I would love to kind of hear their thoughts about whether they actually feel included or not, whether there's a, they're actually facing any challenges in the workplace space or not. Um, within an interview, one of the techniques I actually learned is actually from Milzy, uh, who is a product group lead here at HubSpot. One of the things that he actually does within, within an interview to actually create a more inclusive environment is he would actually ask a candidate at the end of an interview and say, off the record, is there any questions you want to ask me? This is not going to impact your interview at all. And I just found that to be like a really powerful thing to say in an interview because you can actually ask. I'd them never any heard questions. of someone doing that. Yeah, right. Because mm -hmm. you know, because that gives them an opportunity to ask them anything they want about HubSpot when it comes to the culture, when it comes to how diversified the, the culture is and environment is, and it has no impact or bearing on their interview whatsoever. And I think that's pretty powerful. So. So just by talking to some of my colleagues and just observing and just trying to practice some of these things on my own team, that's just how I try to foster a more inclusive environment. Yeah, I love that you mentioned starting at the interview level as well, because I think that's also an often overlooked piece. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I do think part of that, especially as team leads and managers, is you have to get vulnerable with your employees. You have to yeah. let them see the side of you that wants to show up to these events and, and lead by example or wants to bake it into these team meetings because it is something that you care about and something that we should all care about. But it is really impactful, I think, once it starts at that team level and starts to grow more and more and more through the organization. So I appreciate you guys sharing your tips and tricks for that part of your, your day and how you kind of engage with your employees. But um, I'd love to know kind of a final thought from both of you. Um, if you could give one piece of advice kind of either to a different organization, someone outside of HubSpot, or um, someone that you hope would be listening here now and trying to understand how to be a better ally, what's one thing that you would ask them, or what's one thing that you would tell them about being an active ally? What would that be, and, and how would you explain it to them? Felix, I'm going to steal this term from you, but I bake allyship into my daily <laughs> all the time. You know, so, so something bake my, it in. I bake it in. Right. So uh, <laughs> something my wife and I do on a recurring basis, you know, we actually have conversations. We have very healthy conversations about this. We try to go to as many events as we can. And we also watch documentaries. We share articles with each other. You know, and, and what that means is allyship is actually part of our lives. It's not just like, you know, you walk into the door at work and Bingo. all of a sudden, 
that's my ally hat. I'm gonna that's exactly on. what I had to say too. You don't put on an allyship hat. You don't put on an inclusivity hat. It's outside of work as well. Right, exactly. Sorry to steal your thunder. No, 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 Continue. absolutely. You, know, you, you have to be an ally yeah. when you're at the restaurant. You have to be an ally at home. You have to be an ally at work. If you make, if you bake this into your life, right, to use your word, being an ally just comes naturally to you at that point, in my opinion. So Absolutely. Yeah, I, and I've, I've said that at a, a meeting as well that it's not like I come to work and suddenly I put on my diversity and inclusion hat. This is, it, it has to start within at a personal level. So like I said earlier, start monitoring the thoughts that you have. If you're walking down the street and a certain type of person walks by you and you have a reaction to them, instead of thinking that's just how I am or that's just the way it is, question, why am I reacting this way? Why am I thinking this way about this person or the situation? And challenge yourself because so many things are conditioned and part of the way that we were brought up and we're all very programmed by the media, which we know doesn't always represent people accurately. So I think it really starts within at a personal level and it is uncomfortable, but Absolutely. you know, in order for you to grow better, you can't do that without having some growing pains. So got to be comfortable with the discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you both again for your time and for your honesty today. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this episode of Culture Happens, HubSpot's podcast about the future of work and company culture. This was so fun. <laughs>